Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP2. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution built for small business owners just like you who want to skip the headache at tax time. For a limited time, try FreshBooks free for 60 days. To get started, visit GetFreshBooks.com now and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com with over 30 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. Shutterstock helps you take your creative projects to the next level. For 20% off your new account, go to Shutterstock.com and use the offer code TWIP214. This week on TWIP. New domains for photographers, including dot photography and dot camera. Also, the color run sues a photographer and photo buyers, photo stealers, and Facebook jealousy. Plus, an interview with YouTube star Blunty. It's Wednesday, February 19th, 2014. And this is And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss some of the topics that are happening in the world of photography this week are Mr. Sill Arena and a brand new voice on This Week in Photo. You may have heard him in an interview that we've done previously on the show, and it's Mr. Shiv Verma. Hey, guys. Welcome. Hey, Frederick. How are you? Hey, Shiv. Hi. Uh, Good to meet you, Sill, and thank you, Frederick, for having me on the show. You're welcome. Shiv, I'm going to let you go first. So let, tell us about what you're up to, who you are, and uh, you know the kind of photography projects you're working on. Well, uh, who am I? I'm just a photographer. That's, and that's us, right? <laughs> We're just photographers. Just, just, just a photographer. But uh, yeah, I mean, my, my big passion is, is teaching, and uh, I don't know whether I can compete with Sill on that arena, but... No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> that, was a, that was very clever. Right I paid him five bucks to say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love teaching, and I and I hold a lot of uh, workshops, uh, one-day workshops, and field workshops, and do them worldwide. In fact, in just under a month, I've got two back-to-back workshops in Iceland, which I'm really looking forward to, and then another one in Iceland in September. Uh, got a whole bunch in the middle, uh, doing India, Africa. So, it's it's a process of travel, teach, travel, teach, and and it's a lot of fun. Um, that's that's crazy. That just makes me completely jealous. You know, just just for the record, along. I'm completely jealous. <laughs> you're you're going to France now. You can. Come I am. Along. I am. I am. But still, I mean, this is like you're always on the road, and my my international photography travels happen sporadically. Yours are a regular cadence occurrence, right? <laughs> yes. So, yes. Yes. And and, and and hopefully do some more of them while we're at it. But awesome. uh, no, no. The other big the other big news is the book is finally finished. I think we talked about it uh, during the previous interview. 
and uh, it's now just waiting for the the grandmasters of Apple to to approve it to say yes, it is a book and it can be on their uh, bookshelves. So the ebook is uh, in in their hands, and hopefully over the next you know days, weeks, whenever whatever it takes, uh, it'll be you know ready for the world to see. So that's Great. that's. In in a nutshell, that's what I've been up to. Well, before we move on, um, what what is that book about? In case folks have, may not have heard the interview that we did, the the book is about uh, time lapse. I call it uh, time lapse imagery. I don't think it's just photography. It's more than photography. So it's time lapse imagery. It deals with everything from the fundamentals to visual motion, motion based time lapse. Uh, creating not just time-lapse video, but also how to compile and sequence it into a full-blown video production with audio and uh, you know titling and the whole work. So uh, hopefully, you know, it's uh, it's 170 pages. It's taken a year to finish, and now I'm done. All right. Well, congratulations, and you know, hopefully, Apple will push it through once they see this podcast and improve it. So yes, yes. All right, I well, did welcome. use your name, right? I said, uh, you know, Frederick's on the show tonight, and I'm on the you know show what? tonight, so get the book <laughs> I wouldn't, out. I wouldn't, they may slow it down a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> like 2016, Siv yes. books, <laughs> you know, Siv's book hits the show. Yeah. All right, uh, also on the show is Mr. Sill Arena, the educator extraordinaire, molding young minds, and now joining us on this week in photo to talk about the news. What's up? Hey Frederick, hey Shiv. I gotta say, Shiv, I think I live like in a time lapse world, so I'm really looking forward to getting your book because sometimes it just seems like everything's going by in slow mo for me. So maybe you can give me some tips. Well, thank you. But just yeah. compress it. That's all you need to do. Compress it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no comment. Several thoughts come to mind, but um, uh, anyway, oh, it's, it's great to be show. back on the show. So kudos to you, Frederick, for getting me out like on the web. Two times in four weeks, you know, Look considering the previous six months, you are a wizard. I know. It's uh, you know, it's not me. It's 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 Suzanne Llewellyn, the producer. She's uh, <laughs> she makes she moves mountains to make Twip happen. Yeah, I just sit does. here and chat and smile. That's all I do. <laughs> so it's good. So what what have you been up to, Sil? So you I... last, when last we we met, Mr. Sil Arena. He informed us that he was a, an educator molding young minds in high school as yeah. a high school teacher. How's that going? Have they, so, uh, have they so revolted? They haven't fired me. <laughs> I have all the kids still at uh, Mission College Prep that I had when we talked a month ago. You haven't lost uh, any? They're all... I know, haven't. I, you no know, missing kids? <laughs> they're... Um, you know, they're on they're on Mr. Toad's wild ride. That's for sure. They're thinking, I, you know, we signed up for Digifo. How hard can it be? It's art, right? And then I show up, and it's like you've got to remember the f stops, and you've got to remember the shutter speeds. <laughs> and now that when I get Shiv's book, it's be okay, kiddos. Let's get out the time lapse Bible. All there right. you go. <laughs> there you go. You should do a whole quarter on just time lapse. There you go. Oh my, Done. you know, I, yeah, it's like it's all kinds of things. I got. I actually have gotten the school to agree to allow me to teach an advanced photo course next year and get this so beginning photo is digital but advanced photography is like everything that's really not digital you know cool old processes from the 18th century mm. handmade cameras handmade lenses oh my god I'm gonna use the four-letter f-word film <gasps> and so you know oh, the kids no. are yeah the kids are like you know so when you think about it it's kinda weird as a you know educator you think Oh my God! Like film is now considered to be an advanced technique because it's so obscure. 
Right. So that's kind everything of, that's yeah. old is new again. That's how exactly. That's how I'm looking so forward to being a little bit newer than I am right now. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many directions I can take up. That's true. <laughs> All right. So welcome back to the show. Uh, before we continue, you guys want to give an update on what I'm up to. So. If you're interested, This Week in Photo listeners, June 15th through 21st of this year, June 15th through 21st, I'm going to be joining another TWIP co-host, Valerie Jardin, about, um, or in Paris to uh, help her out with her Paris street photography workshop. So if you want to come hang out with me and Valerie and drink wine and eat baguettes and wear a beret and hang out. Sounds like my house. <laughs> And hang out. If it's gonna be insane. I'm not sure if they'll let me back in Paris after this trip, but but it's gonna be June 15th, 21st. The problem is there are only three spots left on this trip because Valerie keeps the 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 head count pretty small. So there's only three. Last time I checked with her, and this is like a week ago, there are only three spots left on this. So if you're interested in coming, come to the This Week in Photo blog, and you'll find in the the notes for this episode a link for uh, the workshop there. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see you there if you come. I want to have some TWIP support on there, TWIP listener support, so I don't feel like I'm alone in Paris. So and when also, are you going to do, when are you going to do the photography? When are you going to do the photography? Uh, when are we going to do it? June 15th to 21st. No, 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 between the wine and the baguettes. Oh, no, it's I'm going to be taking photos of wine and baguettes before ah. I consume them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So that's the whole idea on the Champs-Élysées, right? So that's the whole idea is to, you know, consumable photography. And then next month, we're in February as we record this. Um, it's February 19th. Um, next month is WPPI, the Wedding and Portrait Photographers Conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. I will be there courtesy of Panasonic doing interviews in their booth of industry movers and shakers. So if you are in... Vegas during that time, please come by and say hey, or at one of the many parties that happen in WPPI, come by and say hey. I'd love to chat with TWIP listeners out there as well. So lots of stuff happening in the, in the, the coming future. All right, all right so, okay, guys, before we jump into the show, there's a lot of big news going on. I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode, and that's our folks over at Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP2. And the new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And with the blog app, you can make text updates tap and drag images to change layouts and monitor comments on the go. You can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code TWIP2 to get 10% off and to show your support for this week in photo. And we thank Squarespace for their support. It's everything you need to create an exceptional website. Okay, let's jump into story number one. Um, I, I'm really interested to see what you guys think about this because apparently, uh, you know the organization that's responsible for top-level domain names like .com, .net, you know, those sorts of things. They're releasing a, or they have released a new series of top-level domains or TLDs if you're really nerdy. Um, but they've released .photography, 
dot camera and dot equipment. So I want to know, Shiv, I want to start with you first. Do you care? I mean, is it is it still all about the dot com, or do you care about you know other kinds of domains? And have you snapped up Shiv Verma dot photography? Funny you ask. Yes, I have. You. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but He's but, like, of course I have. I did it the day it came out. <laughs> but that's the only one. I mean, I didn't do the camera and didn't do the others. But, you know, the the point is that I think from a branding point of view, if one can use that term, uh, it, it kind of helps a little bit because CALM really was originated as the acronym for commercial. Yes. And, yes, yeah. as a photographer... You know, when you say, you know, you are shivverma.com or frederickmanjohnson.com, mm-hmm. uh, that brand kind of gets a little diluted. So the word photography for us photographers is, I think, a good thing. Um, I don't know whether, you know, Sony's and Panasonic's, etc., will jump at the dot camera or the dot equipment, but maybe they will. And, and But, you know, clearly I think it, it gives us a little, you know, foundation and a place of our own. Yeah, and when I saw that, I'll tell you, my first reaction was really, I mean, when when I rebranded rebranded this week in photo, it was this week in photography, right? So I truncated it to this week in photo specifically because photography is too long, <laughs> you know, it was like yeah. photography. We're four syllables in there that people have to type out on their phones or whatever. So this week in photo was easy, and the reason I didn't go twip.com was because it was already taken, and I couldn't get a holistic sort of, um, you know, I couldn't get the the Twitter, the Facebook, the Google Plus, you know, and the domain. This week in photo, I could, and I got everything. So I locked it all down. Now when I looked at this, I'm like, okay, it's Back to the Future. So now, this week in photo dot photography. You know, <laughs> really? I don't know. Still, would you would you do this? I know I'm being a curmudgeon, but would so you, you know, I did grab a really good one. I got. Frederick Van Johnson Photography. <laughs> and you'll sell it to me for $10,000, yeah. right? $9.99.99.99. Yes. Um, you know, here's the thing. Um, if it was .tog, I might like be on to it. But photography, I just counted. That's 11 digits for the domain. It's like, no, they're going the wrong direction. We don't want to type more. We want to type less. Right, right. So right. for the exact reasons that you just articulated... If it was like dot photo or, right, you know, whatever. So dot pick or something I, you like know, that. I, but yeah. I went out and I was like, okay, I looked at and who? I mean, there are there are, shall we say, um, entrepreneurs who apparently have grabbed. I mean, I looked at all the things that I could think of that might relate to my world. So like flash dot photography taken. Okay, mm-hmm. what about speedlight dot photography spelled Cannon's way? Taken. What about the generic way? Taken. You know, and I just went through and through and through, and it's like the only two that aren't taken are your name and my name, apparently. Right. So, right. and I'm I'm getting yours right now on GoDaddy. So. Thank you. Um, um, but the, so the other piece, the other piece of it is, like Shiv, looking at this, and if you know you register, and I'm going to register just so that I have my name and my family's name and all that stuff. So you know you got to do that just to make sure. For generations to come, they won't be mad at great granddad for not registering <laughs> their names. So you got to do that. But when I look at this, I'm thinking um, the world or the internet seems to have been programmed for .com. I remember .org and .mil. So for military people, they know that's the domain that the military uses. .org, most people know that, that those are nonprofits or nonprofit organizations. .edu still is education. Mm-hmm. We know that. .com, like Shiv, you said, is commercial. 
But when you start getting into these other domains like the .me's and the .co's and you know, all these different domains, I don't know that they translate into people's minds as that's a URL. Like if you see it printed, if you see an ad printed that says, you know, come to, you know, at the bottom of it instead of shivverma.com, everyone would know that. But if you put shivverma.photography, they're just going to think it's part of your brand, right? I mean, am I, am I off base here? What do you think, Shiv? No, I don't, I don't think you're off base. I think basically that's, you know, part of the whole money-making thing that, you know, ICANN has done. Of course, yeah. It's, you know, so, so <laughs> 700 new, you know, dot names. Yeah. Is, is what, what there are only so mean? many letters in their alphabet, so their business so, model is on yeah. the decline. <laughs> right. So, so, so it, it gives them that opportunity. And I, I look at it from, from my point of view is, you know, I, I look at shivvermaphotography.com. Well, I mean, you're going to type shivvermaphotography.com. So now I just take the comma away and I just type shivverma.photography. Right. So, you know, it, it really it really kind of evolves into what is it that you're willing to brand yourself with. And I don't plan on using shivverma.photography as the primary domain. I'll still keep the .com, but I'll have a pointer that will go shivverma.photography pointing to shivverma.com. Yeah, so, you know, that, Yeah, so it's, it's just a, you know, Grab it because it makes sense whether you use it or not. I mean, it's you know twelve or seventeen dollars a year. Put that money into you know keeping your name where it belongs. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, just lock it up for the next yeah, ten years yeah, and be done yes, with it. Yeah. Don't do that one year. Yeah. That's my suggestion to people. Don't mess with that one year thing. Register it for a decade or two if you can manage it. <laughs> just mm -hmm. be done with it. You know, and then set a yeah. calendar. You know, reminder for for ten years from now to remind you to renew it. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. What about camera? Sil, do you think anyone's going to... Who cares about that camera? You know, I the same thing. I looked at, like, okay, like, is, you know, Pinhole or Diana or any of, like, the cool, you know, kind of alternative camera things, Canon.camera, you know, gosh, that's taken. Go mm -hmm. figure. Um, I don't know. You know, I... I really look at it as like, you know, 25 bucks here, 25 bucks there, 25 bucks over there. Pretty soon we're talking some serious coin, you know? Yeah. I've already got like 40 domains <laughs> I that I feed to GoDaddy, and they're all the cheap ones, you know? Yeah. They're all the three, you know, comms and orgs. But as an example, so I'm starting, um, I haven't launched it yet, but I'm starting a blog for my students. And um, it's just stuff that I find on the web. It's like, oh, I wish, you know, it's it's going to be like my junk pile. I looked at Pinterest and I said, nah, that's not for me. I looked at some other platforms and finally said, oh, forget it. I'm just going to go out and use WordPress, the, the, the platform I know. And so I went out and I found a six-digit domain because I don't think, particularly kiddos on their phones, it's like, okay, I want them to be able to type three letters, three numbers, and then... I had to find something, like you said, that was free across .org, .com, and yeah. so on. Now, the, yeah. you, know, you can't get .edu because that's, that's reserved actually for colleges and universities. Right. Um, but so I, I seriously went through and, you know, for like two weeks, I was like, ah, oh, this would be a great one. Of course it's taken. This would be a great one. It's taken. Um, so I don't think if you're really looking for people to connect with you, um, to a large degree, it's about search engine optimization. It's mm -hmm. not about the domain, right? That's a good point. Good you point. know, yeah. it's like I, you could have the worst domain in the world, but if you got good SEO behind what your site is really about, then the world is going to find a way 
Um, and if you get on TWIP often enough, the world will be the path to your front door. Of course, yeah. That's so, that's the whole point of TWIP, yeah. yeah, to generate traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I, I think after this, I'll definitely register those. But yeah, so you raise a, the, I think that's the crux of the issue. Um, the domain is important, of course, because that's your street address. But really, in reality, it's all about SEO and search engine optimization, but the the search engine optimization piece of it changes all the time. So that's a whole different show with Google changing and tweaking mm -hmm. the algorithm, setting new rules of what you know what you get penalized for and what you don't get penalized for. All that stuff is in a constant state of flux to you know I keep I guess both keep the thing keep the the algorithms fresh as the as the web evolves, but also to thwart evil doers that are trying to game the system. Right. right. So. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I would encourage people to, if you're at all interested in having people find you online, <laughs> do, some, do some research on search engine optimization after you, uh, you register your domain. So good stuff, guys, good stuff. All right, uh, this next story that I want to talk so about is... Before you, before you yeah. get that, yeah, uh, go ahead. there's a point I want to make. Is, sure. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with a company called Donut. Donut, no. I Still, <laughs> so you were going to say something. I was about to say I eat them all the time, but yes, yes. I didn't know there well, was a company named them. Yeah, so there's a company named Donut that got in the raised capital of $100 million. Oh. And with $100 million, they bought 100 million domains. Okay, yeah. Right? To keep them up, it's going to cost them about $7-odd million a year. So if you want one of those domains, you're going to have to go to them. Guess one of the oh. domains that they bought. Sure. Dot e no, no, dot email. Oh, All right? that's funny. That's really so, interesting. So, yeah. so, you know, I mean, you, you talk about somebody wanting to take control and make money out of this. So ICANN's making money, and then there are these guys who've been authorized to, you know, buy all these domains, and they got mm -hmm. first dibs at it. Uh, and, and there's a lot of other ones in there, like, you know, we would, as photographers, might be interested, and as Sil said, you know, you want a short name. Well, they've got all the short names. Now you've got to go to them to to grab those domains. So, you know, a yeah. hundred million bucks somebody invested. Hey, it's it's not a bad thing. You know, that's that's a great point you bring up because at a, at a company that I used to work for, uh, it's a three-letter company. I won't mention who they were, but I used to manage an email service that this company used to, uh, or that still operates, and and millions and millions of people still run their email accounts through the service that I manage, uh, marketing for. And one of the projects that was on my desk was to, we were launching a new email product at the time, and one of the bullet items was to, we need a domain name for it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the high, you know, these, these Fortune 100 companies or 10 companies need to have these names that are really good, right? You can't launch a company and have it be, you know, 15 characters long. So long story short, we had a list of names, and the one that we wanted, or the list of ones, the, like the short five list, we contacted those people, and the one that it boiled down to, the, the fee that we, in, I think we actually bought it, I think the fee that we ended up paying for it was in the six figures for a domain name. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and this is, I mean, it's not like, I mean, I know they paid millions for sex.com and domains like that, but... Six figures for a domain name is is just insane. It's just insane to me, yeah. and that's a that's a business model, right? Especially if you have how many a million of them? Shit. Uh, well, dot com dot com was two industries, right? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. Still, Arena's online now, registering everything he I'm, could possibly. <laughs> I'm one click away, baby, from Frederick Van. Geo quiet. Still is. Still's like, okay, I need that. I need that. I need that. What about Nikon dot photography? Let me get that. All, they're all taken. They're all taken. All the donut eaters took them, apparently. So. No, yes, you know it's a yes. conspiracy. It's the Illuminati out there registering things before they get released to the public. It's the, That's do- what's happening. Uh, it's the donut Adi or something. The donut. The photography Adi out there. Yeah, something. All right, guys. Uh, before we continue, um, actually, no, let's just move into the next story. So Color Run. Are you guys familiar with this? this the Color Run? Shiv, have you heard of that? Yeah, ahead of them. They're, okay. they're so interesting gonna, company. <laughs> so tell us who the color, color Run is. You've read the story, obviously. So tell us what the the basis of the story is. Well, Color Run is is a is an organizer that uh, you know organizes these five k runs uh, all over the country, and uh, you basically get colored up and you run and you you win and so it's it's a big promotional thing. Uh, the the story I think uh, you know you need to. Do the lead into it so we can discuss it some more. But uh, that's really who they are. Yeah, so it's, it's an organizer. Yeah. So basically, what happened was a college student, Maxwell jo- uh, Jackson, he photographed the color run, and then he was approached by the color run officials to use their photos or use his photos on their Facebook page. He said yes, but later he found uh, a couple of years later that the photos had been used in ad campaigns without any sort of credit to him. So he contacted those guys and, you know, say, hey, can I get can I get some money for this? You use my photos and you said you were going to use them on Facebook only. Color Run apparently responded by filing a frivolous trademark infringement lawsuit against this kid, um, and the organizer of Color Run responded a few days later, providing their side of the story. So, basically, the long story short, what they did was so they offered compensation. Um, Maxwell was offered compensation, but turned it down and pursued legal action. So, I mean, it just goes on and on. We'll put all the gist of this uh, on on the website, and you can read through everything that happened. But the gist of it, in my opinion, was the when he said, yes, you can use my photos for Facebook <laughs> initially. I think that opened up the can of words. Silarina, looking at this story, if this was one of your students, and this was a student, right? So this is one of your students, and he is a college student, but he said, hey, XYZ giant megacorp, you can use my photos at this event on your Facebook page. When they asked him that initial question, what should have his, his response have been? Should it have been no? Should it have been yes, but I want credit? Or talk to my lawyer? Or <laughs> what should he have yeah. said? You know, I, I totally sympathize with emerging photographers who want to get their work out into the world. We were all there at one point saying, oh, my God, I hope somebody, you know, will use my photos so I have a sense of value. And, and maybe in my case, I can keep the misses off my back about buying all this gear, you know. Um, but here's the reality of it. If your work truly has value, you need to embrace that idea from the outset and I'm just going to get I'm going to cut to the chase if this was one of my students and they let their work go out on the web and there was no embedded copyright info in the meta and the metadata and all of that mm-hmm. it's like what were you thinking you know and for anybody truly um, go to ASMP American Society of Media Photographers the, you don't even have to be a member. They have such great information on ASMP.org about licensing models and about copyright. There is 
so much misinformation, particularly among kids, you know, high schoolers and college kids about intellectual property. I mean, these are the very kids, you know, who won't think anything about sharing music. It's like, oh, here, take all my MP3s and hack the code and, you know, take 12,000 songs off my iPhone and use them for free, my friend. And then when somebody comes around and says, oh, you know, you, we've been, I've been wronged because you've been using my photograph. I don't have a lot of sympathy in this case. And yeah, yeah. I think it's really, really important for photographers, one, to embrace the idea that their photos have value. And it's perfectly okay to stand your ground and say, you know what, my photos have value and there's not an equitable relationship. Because the reality is a photo credit, while it is something, it's really nothing more often than not. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. not. And you've got to protect yourself. You're going to let stuff go out there pro bono. Make damn sure that you support the cause that you're supporting with your pro bono donation of your photographs. And once you let go, realize that you've let go. I don't think you can call it back a couple years later and say, oh, by the way. Yeah, and apparently, according to the story, apparently they did. So what happened was the story broke, and it's the way it was worded initially was – or the the color run folks stole this image and then did all this stuff with it and then we find out a little bit later that they actually did offer compensation to this kid and he turned it down because he wanted more you know so you know but this is only after the web you know how the web gets right so the web went after color run with pitchforks and torches and you know all that stuff to get them when they said you know we then they set the record straight but by then it's out on the web and and we're talking about it Shiv, what about you where do, where do you fall on this uh, you know, it's 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 a very simple thing i mean you make a contract and a verbal contract is not a contract yeah. And I think that's really what transpired over here. It was a verbal agreement with that went south. Uh, so if, if you are going to use your, you know, sort of your creative talents and, and you want credit for it, and somebody like a big corporation wants to use your images, a simple written contract will do it. You know, this is what my images are all about. Here's how, what my expectation is. And if, if it's nothing else, you know, what they supposedly, what they had said is that they would give him credits in the form of, you know, a written statement saying these photographs are from such and such person, and he would get a lot of traffic. But that traffic never really happened because it wasn't when the photos were taken. It was two years or a year later that they were distributed. Right. And this guy finds out. And then the, the, I think his stupidity was... Instead of trying to resolve it and say, you know, we didn't have a contract, let's at least do a contract now and come up with some sort of an arrangement, he, you know, filed a demand note on them of like $100,000 and then upped yeah. it to 300000 whatever it is. Yeah. But, you know, I, I go back to one very basic thing. We as photographers, artists, whatever, if we are giving our intellectual property for use, have it backed with a contract. You don't need a lawyer. I mean, ASMP, I mean, Sills is absolutely right. ASMP gives you contract templates. Yeah. Take one of those. They don't want you to pay for them. Just take one of those contracts, write it up, and you'll be a happier person. Yeah, love it. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, definitely I would encourage folks to head over to ASMP. Great organization, even if you're not a member, but becoming a member has its benefits as well. But even if you're not a member, you can you can uh, you know use contracts and, and get advice, all that kind of stuff is definitely there. So that's the American Society of Media Professionals. All right, guys, so let's move on. Uh, before, we, before we do, I want to thank the next sponsor of This Week in Photo or this episode of This Week in Photo. That's our friends at FreshBooks. 
This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution that's built for small business owners just like you. For a limited time, you can try FreshBooks free for 60 days. To get started, just visit getfreshbooks.com and enter This Week in Photo in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And it's tax time. If you're not using FreshBooks, your life is probably a mess right now. You're hunting for receipts. You're digging through invoices, going through every record one by one. It's the worst. FreshBooks is a simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. And with FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports with just a few simple clicks. Plus, you can work anywhere with FreshBooks using their mobile apps for your phone and tablet. And I use FreshBooks personally to manage the This Week in Photo universe by because you know it's kind of a one-man band here, managing all the expenses and the invoicing and the clients and all advertisers, all that stuff. So FreshBooks is the back end to everything on This Week in Photo. It automatically invoices advertisers, it invoices everything, keeps everything in track, and when I need to run reports for tax time, it's a few simple clicks, and boom, I'm done. I don't have time, I wanna be a photographer, I wanna be out shooting, so FreshBooks makes it easy for me to just get everything done, and it's uh, it's it's just a great service, it's a godsend for getting things done as a very thin operation in terms of headcount. Um, and you know, for me, if I, if I knew known about FreshBooks when I first started this week in photo, a ton of headaches would have just gone away. I mean, we receive invoices from people using FreshBooks. So they, you know, when, when we send things out, they look professional, we get paid online. So there's no hassle of mailing checks or anything crazy like that. So FreshBooks is awesome. And like I said at the beginning, for a limited time, you can try FreshBooks for free for 60 days. Just get started at getfreshbooks.com and enter this week in photo in the how did you hear about us section. And right now, FreshBooks is giving our listeners and viewers an extended 60-day free trial just to make sure you can get through tax time in a breeze. They're trying to make everything easy for you. So head over to getfreshbooks.com, enter this week in photo in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up and enjoy and make sure you know, you tell them that this week in photo sent you. Okay guys, let's move on to story number three here. Uh, so this, this story, let's see. So so basically, I'm going to read this. So it says, we've covered a few stories in the past about photographers stealing other people's work in an attempt to fast-track their photography business, but a couple of stories this week introduce some new twists on the theme. So first, rather than stealing another photographer's work, a Miami-based photographer took a different approach and placed an ad on Craigslist <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking to buy good wedding photographs to pad their portfolio. So I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> so, okay. So we've all been shooting for several years, right? Uh, or decades or whatever. Like, so we've been shooting for a while. People coming in new to the business see these other photographers with this body of work and they're thinking, you know what? I need to show that I know what I'm doing. I need to put a wedding portfolio together. I don't have time to go out and shoot weddings. You know, it's almost like I can't get the experience until I get the job, and I can't get the job until I get the experience. How do I do this? Let me just take it. What if I just license some work until I can I can fake it till I make it? Shiv, 
Is that is that the right way to go? Should they? Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, this is probably one of the most ridiculous things that I, I I read about it, and I said, "What is this guy thinking?" I mean, <laughs> you know, so he he'll 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 get some some other stupid photographer who's got some images that he doesn't care about. He'll probably give it to him, and of course, these shouldn't be copywritten or marked or anything. They've got to be, you know, completely free of all that, so he can put it on his website. So he gets a gig. And what's he going to shoot? What are those images going to look like? Right. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. If you don't have the talent, if you don't have the experience, how are you going to claim that this is what you're going to produce? It's just you know, unfathomable. So you know, if somebody wants to be that ridiculous, uh, good luck to them. But uh, you know, they'll get one job, and that'll be the last job. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what about you? Is this is this what you're advising your students to do? You know, until until you have a substantial portfolio of your own kids, just go buy the stuff and yeah. you know build yeah, it. You know, so so it raises lots of issues. Uh, you know, the whole fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Shiv's absolutely right. This person, if they actually got a job, would uh, you know immediately not get another job because they don't have the skill set. Um, you can't fake it till you make it. You've actually got to go out and learn the skills and do the work. And, you know, it's the road that artisans have been traveling for centuries in that regard. Yeah. Um, now, here's the other thing. One of the things that's really interesting to me is somebody goes out on Craigslist and says, hey, you know, I'll pay 15 bucks to, so I can use your wedding photo. I doubt he's getting that from the photographers. He's getting the clients. He's getting the folks who weddings were photographed they're opening their album saying sure honey I'll, you know take my mm -hmm. now here's the thing those people don't even realize because intellectual property is so complex right the people who paid whatever hundreds or thousands of dollars to have a photographer shoot their wedding they don't own the copyright to those images more often than not and they don't know that yeah. You know, so I, I just think we live in really interesting times. And as an educator, you know, in the high school and collegiate level, there is so much that we, my peers and I, have to do to help these young people understand the nature of intellectual property because it is literally evolving during their lifetimes. And I've no yeah. doubt that, you know, 50 years from now, there'll be concepts in intellectual property and, of course, media, both for acquisition and delivery, that, you know, young punks have yet to deliver and make millions of dollars on. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, and it's like where where we are now, and problems like this weren't here decades ago, right? Because right. you were, we were shooting film, and if someone wanted to steal images, they would have to have gotten the, the negatives or copied the prints, which wouldn't have looked as good, and then passed them off. And there, It was harder than just downloading some high-resolution mm -hmm. files and making a website and, and sticking a PayPal button on there, right? So... Like you said, so now now times have changed, and we're there are problems that are going to rear their ugly heads that we have no idea of in the in the next coming years because all this stuff keeps changing. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I don't know. So this other other piece of the story is um, about an, an interviewee that we have had on this week in photo, and that's Sue Bryce. So mm -hmm. Sue Bryce was Australia's portrait photographer of the year um, for one year, and she or probably many years, but I know she was at least there one year, and she found herself basically without a Facebook page after some evildoers, hackers, some some evil hackers, not that all hackers are evil, but these particular people were, um, they cloned her Facebook account, 
and reported her page. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to read this. They cloned her Facebook account and reported her page, reporting resulting in Facebook deleting her account and the loss of close to 1,000 personal and family photographs. So why would someone do that, first of all? Sue is the nicest person in the world. I mean, she's just like the really the nicest person in the world. Why would somebody do that to a Sue Bryce? And then, so, and Shiv, I'm going to throw this to you. When you look at this and you look at how much investment we have, not even looking at professional photography, but looking at our personal photographs and people chronicle their lives on Facebook these days, and you know, it's almost like your house burning down with all your, your albums in it and you losing them if somebody deletes your account like this. What can people do to safeguard against stuff like this? Oh, uh, Frederick, I mean, you, you bring up a point that is just, first and foremost, you know, understand what these people are really trying to do. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, it's not to make Sue Bryce's images disappear. It's really to capitalize on what she's been able to do. And, and, and deep down inside, there is some you know, financial gain and motive that goes with things like this. I mean, these people have, you know, basically evolved themselves into Facebook crooks. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so you you take you know Sue Bryce. So she's lost all her images, and you know they reported her as a bad person. So Facebook, of course, doesn't verify anything. Uh, I don't know how many times it may have happened to you that if you have been sort of you know banned from befriending anybody. Right. Uh, you now have seven days you can't you know befriend anybody so what they're really doing is they they take your account over they even copy your images and they sort of make your website look like just like it's yours only all the communication is going to somebody else right. take a right. simple example you turn around and say oh you know I have you know 50 really good friends and 20 really good family members and now I claim that I'm in trouble yeah. Can you send me some money? Can right. you? I mean, you know, you go back to to Ghana, Nairobi, you know, uh, the the Ukraine. They're all trying to extort some, you know, something from people who are gullible. Uh, family members are very gullible, and and you don't not, know. Not all the people in those countries, just some people. <laughs> some people, some people. So, yeah. so you know, it's it's the crook brand, right? Know, branded crooks. Yeah. So you you asked me a question. How do you? you know, prevent this and how do you protect yourself? Well, the most simple thing is, would you befriend the same person a second time? Right. Right. So be warned of that. I mean, that if somebody was to ask you to befriend them again, it means something went wrong. Yeah. And and you shouldn't, you know, succumb to that. So, I mean, so that's... You look at I look at this and I see the the larger thing. When I saw this story, the larger question that or the larger issue was for me was the the false sense of security that we have as consumers in these social networks. You know, I mean, it could be Google Plus, it could be Facebook, Twitter, all these people are building entire businesses and putting their precious memories up here that are getting auto uploaded from their phones and all this stuff and when these services if something like this happens it's gone you know there's no backup of it well, I, I you know don't think you it's can't, gone. and there's no recourse right no i don't think it's gone i mean if you were to go back to uh, facebook i mean facebook has to by law keep you know backups because there's sure. there's other things that are going on and, and and it's not all gone i mean it can be recovered i mean but that's, it, that's, it would definitely be scary for a couple of days it, until you get it, it back <laughs> Sure, sure it would be, sure it would be. But I think the other warning that I would give is think about 
you know, you if you have six thousand friends, are they really your friends? Yeah. You know, have you ever 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 bothered to go back to your Facebook account and cull out people who you have no communication with? That's true. Or are you so euphoric that you've got six thousand friends that that's a great thing to have? I mean, that's where the trouble really starts. Is people you don't know are at some point going to start taking taking advantage if they're so inclined. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe maybe the it's 2014 is the year of culling. Sillerina, what do you think? Is it is this the year of culling? Should people start like doing the bonsai tree maintenance yeah. on their Facebook accounts? <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't know about that, but what I really am, am burning to comment on is you know, again, it's kind of like if you think that your cell phone is a permanent repository for all the photos you make, and you think that an online social media site is a permanent repository and it's always going to be there, the mean part of me says, you deserve to lose your precious photos for a moment. Get them back, but learn the lesson for crying out loud. You're, you saying, know? It's, you're saying it's digital Darwinism. Basically. Um, you know, it's I, I just I just shrug my shoulders and shake my head as I've been doing for the last three minutes. Um, I just I any I just I I'm dumbfounded by uh, you know folks who say, oh my god, I lost all my photos because they were on on Facebook. It's like, well, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like okay, I've got redundant backups here, and I'm you know a big fan of Dropbox, and I just added another hundred gigs to my Dropbox account this morning, because yeah. I'm which costs like six more bucks a month, right? So you know <laughs> I gotta I gotta you know bust your bubble just a little bit there. You know Dropbox has had security breaches as well. So. I, sure, but it's not the only place that I have my precious thingies. Good, you know? just so that's you know, just so you know, no, you're like I'm safe because you're on Dropbox. No, you no, no, but me. that's my point. It's like the precious thingies are on the iMac here at home, they're yeah. on my iMac at school, and they're on, you know, the Dropbox server, and they're on backup drives. I mean, yeah, this is just a reality of living in today's world. So really, the reality is Dropbox is convenient, yeah. um, you know, way to move files back and forth, but gosh, I just look at it and think people just need to wake up and, and realize, you know, we wear seatbelts in cars for a reason because driving around used to be kind of dangerous. Yeah. It's like maybe we should start putting seatbelts on our data and our precious thingies so that when stuff happens and your phone goes in the lake or whatever, you don't lose it all. Yeah, right? practice practice safe web, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, my I use Dropbox as well and Google Drive. Um, we're using mm -hmm. Google Drive now to look at right. the notes for this episode. And the I use them all very differently. Like I use Google Drive for, for Google Docs and things like that and mm -hmm. stuff that I need to share virtually where you guys need to look at the doc and we can collaborate on them. I use Dropbox specifically to transfer heavy items like the video file from the show and all that to go to the producers, all that's done through Dropbox. Um, and I have some, you know, some some files that I need access to all the time from many devices live on Dropbox. But by and large, most of my files live on, and I'm pointing over there because that's where they are, um, two Drobos. So I have a Drobo 5D that manages, that's my main library. It's like, I call it my library of Congress. So everything's on the Drobo 5D. There's a Drobo S sitting next to it, the older model Drobo, that every night a uh, super-duper routine runs and copies the deltas off of the Drobo 5D onto the 5S. So I have two redundant rated arrays of my data. So I'm backed up there. Now for my daily things that I'm working on, like videos that I'm editing or interviews or whatever, 
they live on a Drobo Mini, which is SSD and is also thunderbolted into my main workstation. So it's all protected over there, and it's not it's not local to the to the main computer. But the big stuff, or the more important stuff like taxes, all that stuff, that's archived and protected into a a, um, a protected uh, what do you call it uh, disk archive with a password, and that's online. So if that if if all fails and my house burns down or something, it's all gone. I still have the most important stuff right there. I may lose all my photos because I'm not using one of those cloud-based backup services anymore. Um, but at least I have the most important things that I need. So backup is the I think the most important takeaway from all that. All right, guys, uh, moving on. Uh, we're going to get into the listener Q&A, but before we do that, I want to thank the last sponsor, uh, last but not least, for this episode, and that's our friends over at Shutterstock.com. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock.com, you'll find the perfect image or video for your next creative project, whether it's for your website, a publication, an advertisement, a video, or any other type of project. You can choose from over 30 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips, and Shutterstock sources images from around the world and puts them at your fingertips. And many contributors to Shutterstock are professional photographers and artists. Shutterstock reviews each image individually for content and quality before adding it to its library, and Shutterstock adds 20,000 images every single day. So every time you visit the site, you're sure to find something new. And Shutterstock has flexible pricing. You can choose from individual image packs or a monthly subscription for the best deal. You can download 25 images a day with a standard subscription. And you can download any image in any size and you pay only one price. Shutterstock gives you the images you need to bring your creative projects to the next level and they make it easy. For example, for this episode of This Week in Photo, we, uh, I did a quick search for the word name because the title of this episode was What's in a Domain Name. So I did a search for the, name, for the word name, and uh, you'll see if you look at the blog post on thisweekinphoto.com for this episode, I found the perfect image. And basically, it took me about three minutes to find it. And boom, I had the perfect image. So you can do that yourself. You can try Shutterstock today. Sign up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. You can start an account and begin using Shutterstock to help imagine or help you imagine what your next project will look like. You can save your favorite images to a light box, review them later. And then if you decide to purchase them, just use the offer code TWIP. 214 and new accounts will receive 25% off any package. Once again, that's shutterstock.com and for 25% off new accounts, just use the offer code TWIP214. And we thank Shutterstock for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, it's time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer a question or two that have been at the top of some of our, some of our listeners' minds. This week's question is from Joe Turek, and he comes to us from our Google Plus community page. He says, I used to shoot with an APS-C DSLR, and to get sunbursts, I would stop down to F18 or F22 and take the picture. On the OMD, the Olympus OMD, I'm using F5 or so for my regular landscape aperture and stopping down to F13 or so to attempt to get that sunburst. As Micro Four Thirds shooters know, F13 is not a usual working aperture for that format. 
So to get a decent sunburst, you know, say I get a decent sunburst, but I also get some halos around the point of light. Do you have any suggestions, even in the DSLR world, um, to get a nice sunburst, or is the only way to stop down? Now, Sil, there's a lot of Fs and M43s and APSCs and all <laughs> OMDs and all that stuff. <laughs> DSLRs. This is like an acronym-filled question. Yeah. I think it boils down to if you want to shoot and make nice sunbursts, how do you do it? So first of all, describe what's, I know you know this, so describe what's happening when you stop down and you do a, an exposure. So as I understand it, um, and I, and I'm, I appreciate the fact you think I might know the answer, but I'm going to fake it till I get the right one. And Shiv nods and says, You're gonna, I'm going to fake it. I was like, hold oh, you that Shiv so I can Google it first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, in practical experience, um, yeah, you've got to use a really tiny aperture to get a cool sunburst. Now, right. I, I, I don't shoot a micro four-thirds camera, um, so I'm not familiar with, like, you know, is F, F13 is as small as those micro four-thirds lenses right. go? But the general principle is the same on whatever sensor you're using. You stop down, a point light source becomes a starburst, right? Right, but, you know, the, the other thing to remember is while there's lens conversions and all of that across formats, if you know, I'm I'm thinking this through. F13 on a micro four thirds is effectively, or optically, I should say, the same as F13 on a DSLR lens. I mean, in terms of the size of the hole relative to the focal length and all of that. This yes, time. because the speed of light remains constant. <laughs> so, yeah. As does the frizz in my hair. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I th I think optically you've got to hit those small apertures. And as for the halos, you know, I'm thinking that it's a function of the structure of that particular lens and interior reflections happening off of um, the elements on that individual lens, um, that it's not a function of shooting at f13, and it's not a function of shooting micro four-thirds. Yeah. It is a characteristic. It's the personality of that particular lens. Yeah. That's now, Shiv, my best Shiv, guess. Shiv, you're the guy that's doing all this time-lapse stuff, so you're you're no stranger to long exposures and stopping down and all that. What do you think of this question? Or in general, sure. you know, just getting effects like starbursts with with small apertures. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that's happening with the newer lenses, and particularly as these lenses are becoming smaller, is that the old uh, aperture blades that you had, which were very sharp and straight, are now getting more and more rounded. So because they're getting more rounded, the ability to generate the same level of starburst has been diminished considerably. Uh -huh. So so that's that's one of the issues we're wrestling with. The other thing is that, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you, you don't have to use a particular lens to get a starburst, you can actually get starburst by, you know, pointing your lens using a contrast subject in your frame with the sun behind it, that will generate a starburst. So, you know, you can do it with even larger apertures or more wide open apertures, provided you have that subject of contrast uh, in your frame and, and get the sun properly positioned behind it. So you move to get the sun just about, you know, half covered, so you will get that starburst. So th there are ways of doing it, but the haloing, uh, the more I think about, you know, the reason why he's bringing up the, the haloing is, Maybe his lens is dirty. There you, know, you go. 
you know, they yeah, could yeah. Occam's some... razor. It's just you know the <laughs> yeah. most the yeah. most obvious yeah. solution is probably the right one. Yeah. yeah. And and the other reason why you would tend to get halos is atmospheric conditions. I mean, you don't always have perfect atmospheric conditions. So maybe if he tries it with, you know, on a, on a bright clear day versus a foggy day versus you know a day when there's a lot of humidity, atmospheric conditions will also create halos. So my recommendation is, you know, clean your lens and see if you can get a lens that is not you know, with rounded blades, with more sharp blades, some of the older lenses. Uh, you know, micro thirds are very sort of attuned to adapters and, you know, using older lenses with it. So go, go give that a try. Yeah. Now, Shiv, what are you shooting with these days? What's your camera of choice? Uh, I'm still, you know, a, a Canon, Canon, Canon all the way. So I've mm -hmm. got, uh, you know, 5D3, a 6D, a couple of 7Ds for, you know, the burst. And uh, have not yet, I mean, have been toying with the idea of, uh, you know, a mirrorless camera, but haven't invested in one yet. Sure. And, and uh, so I know you're, you're shooting DSLR Canon, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're the yes. speedlight man, of course. I am. At least I think I am still. Um, yeah, so I've got, you know, 5D Mark III's, uh, a couple of them. I've got a 5D II, um, you know, 60D, stuff that I loan out to my students. Um, not the threes as much as the others. Um, and I've got the EOS M. I'm totally, um, mm. you got to get me back on the show with Martin Bailey so I can beg him to help me get an M2, the EOS mirrorless camera, the M, uh, the new generation M2 has not been released and I don't think it will be in North America. Oh. So I'm trying to find a friend in Japan to buy one. Well, you know Martin <laughs> and he's a friend and he lives in Tokyo but, so maybe but, he can you know, help you. But here's the thing, I just I, to comment on that really quickly, I am really fascinated with the mirrorless market because the reason I don't like the Micro Four Thirds, you get small sensors, you get a smaller sensor, you don't have as much depth of field, right? And in the EOS M, we got a can of worms. So we yeah, open. but you know, it's yeah. like let's do it. It's towards the end of the show, right? You open your can of worms. I open my can of whoop ass, and then we'll. Yeah. Go. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I like the EOS M a lot. It's uh, like any of the first generation cameras. It doesn't focus, and um, you know, so we'll see. We'll yeah. see if, if the two, if I can get my hands on one from Japan, if it works. All right. Well, if you get one, we'll have to have you come on and, and yak about what you think about All it. Right. All right, awesome. All right, guys, let's go through quickly our picks of the week here. We're almost at the end of the show already. The shows goes, these shows go too fast. Um, so pick of the week is a segment where you guys can recommend anything to the TWIP listeners as long as it's related to photography somehow. Shiv, I'm going to let you go first because you okay. are the new guy. What's your pick of the week? So I have a pick which is actually uh, related to time lapse, uh, obvious. Uh, it's Can you see this thing? Well, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, hold it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I can so, say it. Well, describe so what you're holding up it, for the audio yeah. listeners. So it sits in the palm of my hand, so that's how small it is. Yep. It's actually a time-lapse intervalometer and a single-axis motion control device. Oh. It's got, it's got three rings, all right, and one ring basically sets the uh, exposure time, I mean, the, the time of interval between exposures. The second ring establishes the total number of degrees that the camera will transition. And the third is how long do you want that transition to take while it's you know taking the images? Sure. Um, two AA batteries. This thing has enough torque to drive 22 plus pounds of weight on top of it. What? And what? in the in the vertical mode to do you know tilts, not pans, yeah. it'll drive about seven pounds. 
So, okay. what's right. it called so, again? What's it called? <laughs> you want the name? Yes. It doesn't have, it doesn't have a name on it yet. It's uh, it will be uh, out in the market in about a week to ten days. It's called the Astro. A S T R O. Wait, and we can't find it online yet. You can, you can. You have to say buy Astro. B Y Astro. No, no, B U Y. Buy Astro. Okay. Yeah, buy Astro, and it's uh, by a company called Mindarin. M I N D A R I N. It's a Kickstarter. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a Kickstarter project. Oh, okay. um, got it, got it. Got yeah. It. So they basically asked for fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> right, to to make this device. Oh, to make it, not to buy yeah. it. Okay. No, no, no. no. <laughs> to, 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 I was to, like, to, what? Yeah. No, I, I'm laughing. They they wanted fifty grand on Kickstarter. They're up to four hundred twelve thousand bucks. No, no, what? no. They, they, yeah, they crossed five hundred thousand dollars. All right. So they. Oh, they, they, whoa. Yeah, I'm in the wrong yeah. business. I mean, it's it's just absolutely phenomenal. I've been using it now for about uh, you know two weeks, and I'm fascinated. I mean, I was using those big you know motion control devices. Yeah. That you know weigh twenty-two pounds, four pounds, five pounds. You you know how do you carry that thing around? This yeah. I mean, you can carry two of these in your bag, mate them, you know, with an L bracket, yeah. so you get pan and tilt at the same time. Nice. It's just and you want to know the price? How much? Right now, it's less than 250 bucks. Oh, man. Every time I do these shows, I lose my all right. money. Now, <laughs> all, other, all other motion control devices are a minimum of $800 to $900. I so bet. I bet. Wow. Okay. Definitely we'll link to that, the Kickstarter program, or the, uh, the program in the uh, show notes for this episode. And I will be getting on that right after we hang up. <laughs> so, cool. Perfect. That's a perfect pick for your, your first pick of the week, Shiv. Thank you. All right. All right. And Mr. Silarina, what is your pick of the week? Well, I've got a couple of Olympic sports photography picks. Um, I've been losing a lot of sleep watching, like, snowboard cross, and tonight it's ladies figure skating and all of that kind of fun stuff at the Olympics. And so I want to give a big shout-out to my friend Peter Reed Miller, whose book called Peter Reed Miller on Sports Photography cool. has laid out um, a lifetime. Literally, Peter's got 100-plus covers of Sports Illustrated, um, his book was published last fall by Peach Pit, and it's really a treasure trove. It, it goes deep into photography about football. He talks about shooting um, the Olympics. He's got, you know, whatever it is, 11, 12 Olympics under his belt. It's a great book, and also I'll put in the show notes, Peter's got a sports photography workshop. He does a week in Denver in April and a week in Atlanta, typically in October. So if you're a sports shooter and you want to take it to the next level and learn from a guy who's literally spent his lifetime shooting around the world the major events, um, Peter's a wonderful guy, and his book and his workshop are great things to know about. Love it. Cool. Peter Reed Miller on sports photography. Perfect. Thanks. All right. And my pick is, so earlier this week I did a, um, we did a, an All About the Gear show. Doug Kay and I did an All About the Gear show in, in which he described his experiences with the new Olympus OMD EM1. Uh, after we did that review, he shipped it to me. Doug lives like, you know, an hour from me, but he shipped it over to me overnight. I got it. It's downstairs on my kitchen counter. I've been playing with it. I'm not keeping it, but I got to say, that thing is a beautiful piece of kit. I mean, you look at it. It's like 
Well, I mean, you can go look at photos online, but it is, it's one of those cameras, you know, you guys know the like, experience when you open up a new camera box and you pull it out and it's just this, this black piece of like precision glass and metal. That's the way it looks. And then it, and it just works amazingly. I mean, you have to check out the review we did to get Doug's thoughts on it, but I had to make it my pick of the week because it's an amazing camera. And I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Hunt's Camera on the East Coast that sent it to us to to test. So we didn't have to buy it. We didn't rent it or anything. They just put it in the mail and sent it to us for us to play around with. So I get to play with it for the next day. And then tomorrow, actually, I'm dropping it in the mail back to the folks at Hunt's. And uh, they're going to send us something else to play with for All About the Gear. So thanks to Hunt's. That's part of my pick. And also the Olympus OMD EM1, a fantastic piece of gear. All right, folks, we are at the end of another fantastic episode of This Week in Photo. And remember, stay tuned to the end of this show for an interview I did earlier this week with YouTube star Blunty. He and I sit down for a virtual chat. He's in Australia, and obviously I'm here in California. But we sit down for a chat about cameras, photography, and just life in general and how he operates his YouTube channel, how he... It's managed to grow it to the size that it is today and all kinds of stuff. We even talk about Micro Four Thirds and why he shoots Micro Four Thirds over other cameras when he's a reviewer and he chose to go with Micro Four Thirds. Anyway, you can check out his, his channel or his website at blunty.tv. That'll take you to his YouTube channel and all of his other presences. But be sure to check that out. But for you folks, Silarina, where can people go to find out what you're up to? Well, the best place to check me out on the web is my blog, Pixelated, P-I-X-S-Y-L-A-T-E-D.com. Not photography? Not camera? Not yet. Not <laughs> photography, dot camera, dot anything. Just dot com. Old school, baby. In a couple of years, you may be able to get dot arena when they run out of uh, things to yeah. <laughs> make domains out of. Yeah. Uh, don't say that. They'll, they'll, they'll book it already. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, for $1 million, you can get that. All right, well, so welcome back to the show. Thank Thanks you. for coming on again. Thank you. That All right, and Mr. Shiv Verma, what about you? Where would you like folks to go to to find out the stuff that you're involved with? Uh, Shivverma.com. Shivverma.com. Easy. Yes. yes. Or Shivverma.photography, right? No, 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 no. no. Oh, Let's not yet? leave that alone. Let's leave that alone. <laughs> He's like, don't even go there. <laughs> don't go there. All right, Shivverma.com. S-H-I-V-V-E-R-M-A.com. Right. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Well, welcome and thanks for coming on. Your first time. You made it through without any, you know, without no any, hicc- any trauma. No, no hiccups. No disasters. No hiccups. No nothing. Smooth like butter. Thank you for coming on. All right, folks listening yeah. to the show, be sure to check out and visit our site over at thisweekinfoto.com. Or if you want to touch base with me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. All right, folks, so I'm sitting here with it's weird to be sitting here with a person that I feel like I know already because I've been subscribed to his YouTube channel forever. He's helped me buy things and not buy things uh, by virtue of his recommendations online. You may know him 
from the interwebs as Blunty. He's also, you know, his name is Nate Burr. But he goes by Blunty Online. He has a very, very popular YouTube channel with lots of people following him um, for various topics. One of them is photography, which is the way I found him. So uh, we're going to chat today. Nate and I are going to chat today about basically his history. Like, who is Blunty? Where did Blunty come from? And then we may dive into photography a little bit at the end. But uh, this is mostly to introduce you guys to a new friend and potentially a new co-host on This Week in Photo. So, Blunty, welcome. Hello, This Week in Photo audience, and hello to you, Frederick. I can reciprocate the uh, viewership or listenership. I've been listening to This Week in Photo for easily five or six years, I think. So. Wow, wow. Jesus, wow. weird. It's weird that the show has been going that long every single week. Yeah. <laughs> i got to stop that. Maybe well, yeah. we'll this month in photography, give me a break, you know? <laughs> I think uh, in a couple of months' time, it'll mark my eighth year doing the YouTube thing. So, wow. crazy. Wow. Okay, let's, let's, that's a perfect segue. So let's, let's talk about that. So um, your history in photography, you know an awful lot about photography, cameras. I mean, you're, you're one of those folks that gets into the DNA level of cameras and then extracts the nugget and explains it to lay people like the rest of us. Mm -hmm. you know? So what, yeah, I, I, where's, your, where's your background in that? Uh if we go all the way back, uh, I started my love of visual image uh, storytelling with comic books way back in the day. Nice. Uh, I used to read them, and then when I was in college, a mate of mine got together, and I would write them and do the thumbnail layouts for the things, and he would draw them because he was a better finishing artist than I was. And from that, I went into learning about photography, um, Learned, uh, did a photography course in college on the old uh, Pentax K1000, like I'm sure, sure many listeners learned on. Yeah. Um, and from that, it sort of just flowed on. I played with some video for a bit, and then it was nothing for a while. Then... Um, I started doing stop motion animations using Legos because I thought that'd be a, a fun little hobby to do. Yeah. Uh, and I was self-hosting those on my own website for a while. Then YouTube came around and I thought there's an awesome way to distribute my animations without having to pay bandwidth costs, yeah. <laughs> which were enormous back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and so that served those up for a while. Um, and eventually I started doing the video blog thing shortly after that because uh, that's what YouTube was being used for most, just people sitting in front of the webcams talking about their days or their opinions or having little rants, and people started to respond to what I was saying, how I was saying it, or you know, my force of personality or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as I got more and more into the YouTube thing, I started enjoying it more and more, so I would upgrade my own equipment, so my uh, video started looking and sounding better, so people would naturally say, oh, what camera are you using? Your videos look so much better than they did last week, and so I would talk about that, and that eventually snowballed into talking more and more about the technology and doing full-on reviews, and uh, you know that kind of snowballed all the way up to today. Yeah, and then then today, so you're you're reviewing cameras, so you're at this level now. It's like almost like a tipping point. I think that that online personalities hit where you start getting gear in mm. because people, the manufacturers want to get their gear in front of your audience and get your opinion on it. How did that come about? Did just one day someone say, "Hey, can we send you a bunch of cameras?" Or <laughs> did you have to ask? Or no, it was pretty much it. They came to me first off. Um, these days, it's a you know a little bit of both. If uh, someone who I don't normally have contact with brings out a product, I'll you know find a contact and say, hey, I noticed you got this out. Do you have any review copies? But a lot of the stuff comes to me via companies coming to me these days. It started uh, maybe four or five years ago, fairly early on, 
um, I would get emails saying, oh, we've got this product, would you like a review sample? And I'm, yeah, sure, I'd like free stuff to play with and talk about in review because it's you know, an easy way to access material for uh, videos. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I'm valuable to these companies. They come to me because I've built an audience that trusts me because I've got a general sort of no BS policy, yeah. Um, yeah. which can, you know, it, it has scared a few brands off, if I'm honest with you. Now I'm a bit too honest or a bit too brutal or my language doesn't suit them or whatnot. But you know, the, the companies that do respect the way I do things uh, and, and the audience uh, that I've built, you know, they're, they're very eager to get stuff in my hands these days, I find, and it's just a wonderful position to be in. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Isn't that interesting? I mean, just where things have come. You, you said you've been doing this for eight years, so eight years mm -hmm. ago, it was the beginning, right? And uh, not so much the beginning, but it was very early on in the evolution and the maturity of these mechanisms that we have now to get to get in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people with very little effort, you know, yeah, and this, now generate was... revenue. Right. Yeah, this was was I started pre Google owned YouTube, you know, and it was just uh, you know four guys in their backyard or something. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. That makes me sick. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so so okay. So now let's let's talk a little bit about YouTube and the way that you build these reviews. Because when I'm watching your reviews, they seem very not structured but professional. I mean, it's just like you know, I'm like, how does he? Because I'm looking at him like. It doesn't look like he's reading, but he is like flowing through this and not making any mistakes for like 10, 15 minutes. How, how, what's your process? How does it happen? Uh, some of that is the skill I've developed, you know, over time because I've been doing you know, three or four videos a week or so for you know, several years. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes yeah. more. But repetition. You, know, you tend to develop a, a rapport in front of the camera. Um, in my personal life, you know, person to person, I'm kind of introverted and I'm the quiet one in the group usually. And uh, it's, it's very different when I'm on camera. It's just I've developed an on-camera persona that I can slide into and then deliver all this information as densely as possible. Yeah. Sometimes I will write a full-on script uh, when it's a, a complex product or there are certain points I need to hit or I want to hit or say things in a certain way. I'll write a script. I'll do a voiceover. Uh, occasionally I've used a, a teleprompter. Um, but yeah, mostly it's, it's ad-libbed off the cuff and uh, it's made to look seamless by just editing basically <laughs> it, it is clean it is very clean and you know I would again encourage folks to check out your channel it's at blunty.tv right they can hop right mm -hmm. over to it um, yep. if you're listening to this on the podcast blunty.tv if you're watching it clearly blunty has it in his lower third there so you can see the URL so yeah so that's interesting so, so let's talk about uh, the process of like promoting the channel or building the channel do you do any outside promotion to get folks looking at the channel or is it just organic it's it's completely organic. I feel generally uncomfortable about trying to force my stuff on other people. I'm not, yeah. you know, the marketing guy. I don't have a real talent for that. I don't really like talking myself up. You know, I feel awkward when I when I go to companies and say, "Well, oh, I've got uh, you know this many hundreds of thousands of viewers or whatnot," and you know, I feel self conscious about doing that stuff. So I tend not to self promote. So pretty much all of the audience I've built is completely organic. They find me, they like what I do, they stick around, they might tell their friends or you know, maybe sometime I'll get uh, invited on the world's best photography podcast and I'll get to plug myself there. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's that's part of it, right? I mean, because I, it, it's still organic that we're talking because I wouldn't have found you, I don't know how I found it, I think it was you did a review on a camera that I was interested in, 
So I watched the review, and I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Subscribe. Done. Right? So <laughs> right. that's the way it happens. And then, you know, uh, I don't know. It's it just it just shocks me and amazes me how organic all this stuff is and how cool mm. it is and how we we could even be having this conversation through Google Hangouts for free, you know, basically bandwidth costs aside, but you know, basically for free, real time recording it and it'll be on the web in a couple minutes. It's just insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's this stuff has come so far in just the last half decade or so. I mean when I first started, I had to compress my videos down to like 240 by 360, you know, these tiny little windows just to yeah. get them up. When I first started, I was uploading over dial-up for crying out loud. It would take hours and hours and hours to get a, just a single video up. And, you know, now we can live chat in HD if you've got the bandwidth for it. And it's just mind-boggling to, yeah. and, to consider and how to quickly think it's, and that's, it's come that far in just, you know, what, less than a decade. Where will it be in five, ten years from now, mm. you know? if it's Assuming that everything's still going to be around, you know, <laughs> five, <laughs> five, ten years from now, things should be crazy and these devices and all this stuff. Okay, so speaking of devices, let's talk about just mm. your, your setup. So over time, you've evolved your look, you know, the feel, it's got exponentially more professional as you've created these videos, you're better at it. What are you what are you using on the back end side? Like what's your tools of choice to get these things done? It tends to vary depending on what I'm doing and where I'm doing it. If I'm sort of in my my lounge room studio here, it's often just a couple of LED lights. Uh, I don't know if I can put one into frame for you, but uh, just, you know, off the shelf LED lights and it's either for a long time I used my 60D when I was in front of the camera because it has a nice video quality and it's got a screen that flips out to the side. Right. Um, these days I use a uh, Panasonic G6 for the same reason but I've got a lot more really nice micro four third lenses for it now because yeah. uh, I started to get into that a few years back with my Pen EP3 which I use for a lot of my desktop stuff because the, the Olympus 12mm lens on that works fantastically as sort of a camera I can reach around and do desktop demonstrations on. I've got a Sony Handycam that's got a big battery on it so I can run for like eight or nine hours straight if I'm out uh, doing expos or conventions or something like that. Uh, it's it's I, I've accumulated so much gear that it, I get yeah. paralyzed sometimes when I'm going out the door. What will I take on this particular trip? And yeah. So uh, it, it's just all I really strive for is clean audio, dense information delivery, and you know good-looking video. It doesn't have to be super schmick-looking. I'm not trying to be... Uh, uh, you know, television broadcast quality. I just want to get the information as clear uh, as possible without any distractions of you know really horrible video quality or hissy audio and all that kind of stuff. So it's um, uh, you know, I, I try and keep it the quality level at a sort of accessible level so people can look at you. I can do that. Yeah. Now, what about audio? So, are you recording with a G6? Are you recording? I'm not sure if the, does a G6 have an audio import import or do yes, you? It does. It does. Yep. Okay, so you record directly into the camera. Uh, sometimes, yes. Uh, oftentimes, if I'm doing a voiceover, I've got a USB mic or I use my Rode uh, VideoMic Pro and I'll plug that directly in and, and do a voiceover that way. Um, I've also got a little Sennheiser um, MKE 400, I think it is, which is a really small, compact little shotgun mic, which is very handy on the, the Micro Four Third style cameras. If I'm out and about in the world, I'll use that. And I've just recently got the Rode VideoMic Go which is a fantastic product. No batteries, so you don't have to, have to worry about any power or stuff. You just plug it into the camera and go. And it's almost as good quality as the Rode VideoMic Pro is, but really? you never What's have to worry about Go, yeah. yeah. All right. 
Okay, I gotta make a note for uh, yeah, yeah, make a note of that because you'll snatch one up for less than hundred dollars, and it's just one of the best investments I've made recently. Oh, perfect! I may buy that right after we're done. <laughs> so cool. Okay, so the, so that's this setup, and I love the I love the uh, the rogueness or the the sort of you know you're not buying all this crazy gear and switchers mm. and all this stuff. It's just like you know, cinema verite. I'm in there. I'm getting it done. I'm out. I'm uploading, rinse and repeat. It's all about the information, right? Yeah, if, if you overcomplicate it, you can get distracted by production quality over information delivery. And there are some, you know, I won't name names, but there are some people on YouTube who, you know, have fantastic looking videos. They look like they could be on, you know, the BBC or something, but the information in them is next to useless. So I know. I know who you're talking about. I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about that particular uh, show, but I know who you're talking about. Um, okay, what about like day-to-day -day cameras that you use just to, to walk around? Again, you've been doing this for a long, long time, right? So the, the choices that you've made in your day-to-day -day camera that you choose to spend your money on will will speak volumes, right? So the camera that you that you spent blunty dollars on to put in your kit, what's in there? Uh, the stuff I've, you know, that I use personally. If I'm doing photography, uh, I reach for one of my Micro Four Third cameras. For a long, long time, it was the uh, Pen EP3, which mm. is just a, a fantastic bit of kit. I love the way it handles the controls of the menu systems. The lenses Olympus have got are fantastic, yeah. but Olympus have just given me. It's just in behind me here. My oh, new no. favorite, which uh, is the uh, OMD EM10. I know the 10. Uh, oh, you got yeah. one. <laughs> yep, yep. They uh, they just uh, actually took me on a, a press junket thingy to uh, Japan to go see CP Plus and check out their their new gear there, which was fantastic and a wild opportunity. I spent four days in Japan, and uh, that's what they gave me to uh, to shoot with and, and play with while I'm there. So I'm just about to produce a review on that, as well as the new 25 mil uh, lens and the got the little uh, fisheye lens cap around here somewhere as well I'm testing. But yeah, uh, the, yeah, the EM10 is going to be my new daily driver. It is fantastic. It's got the... Now, what's fantastic, what's fantastic about it? Because I know you, you, you've had your hands on the EM1, which we've talked about on our All About the Gear show. So we've had so, the, yep. the EM1 there, which is, I think, the successor to the to the uh, EM5, right? So where uh, does the ten, well, where, what's the lineup? Because I have an EM... I have a... Actually, I just got the EM1 here. Just I have to play with it for a couple of days and send it back. Um, but I own the EM5, the OMD EM5, and I love it. So I'm looking at this 10, and I'm thinking, where does it fit in between those two? Or is it is it that kind of lineup? Well, yeah, it's it's a three-part lineup at this stage. Like their pen series, they've got three cameras and three different yeah. stages. The RMDs have now existed three. So the uh, EM1 wasn't a replacement for the EM5. It was the next step up. Okay. And conversely, the EM10 is the more the most accessible level of the, the OMD line. Uh, and it's brilliant because it's got the excellent sensor from the, the 5 and the brilliant image processor from the 1. And it's got a three-axis image stabilization, so it's a little less sophisticated. But in doing that, they've got a pop-up flash now because they've removed the sensor that they used for one of the axes of stabilization. Now it's got a pop-up flash, which you know a lot of people are looking for in that sort of accessible sort of end of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the video out of it is stunningly good because it, uh, the stabilization, as as I'm sure you know, the, yeah. in the in the AMD lineup is just amazing. It's uh, magical. It's borderline yeah, I mean, magical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can shoot handheld, and as long as you've got two feet on the ground, it's going to look like you shot it from a tripod. It's just unbelievable. The only things I don't like about the OM10, for my purposes, no microphone input, 
I, I, that um, was going to be my question. I always yeah. ask that question, and I'm like, why yeah. leave it out? I don't understand. Do you, what do you think? Why do you think camera fan- manufacturers leave the audio import out? I mean, it seems like it's, it, you know, not to speak for their engineering departments, but it yeah. doesn't seem like it's rocket science to put that in there. <laughs> no. I mean, they've already got the audio secretary sitting in there because they've got onboard mics. So all you need to do is sort of feed an external source into that chain somewhere. So. You know, some of them will tell you it's space saving because the plug takes up so much room. And uh, I honestly I don't know. I mean, it can't be cost saving because it can't cost that much to put it in. You know, uh, the inconvenience, you know, is it going to push someone up to the next level and spend an extra, what, $400, $500 for the next right. For something they don't it's, need. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, it's mind blowingly frustrating. What I tend to do with these cameras that don't have it, mics on them is, you know, I'll use the, the Rode video mic or, uh, or whatever and plug it into an external recorder. Like I found the Zoom H1 is brilliant for that and I've just uh, tested out on the trip I've just had a very, very small, um, like half the size of a sticky gum, little digital recorder. It's, got, it's just a no-name Chinese brand thing but you can sort of clip it onto the back of the microphone even. Not as good as quality as H1 but, you know, it, it seems to get the job done and that's that's my workaround for the no microphone input but, yeah, it's yeah. completely frustrating. It is, because then you got to sync it up later and, you know, yeah. it's just more moving parts, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just more to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've been playing um, around. In my kit, I've got the, uh, you know, of course, the same issue. I'm shooting with the Panasonic GX7, which mm-hmm. doesn't have a microphone import on it, as you know. Uh, but to get around that, I'm using the Sony Music Video Camera. Have you seen that little thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yep. so it's little. I keep it in the bag and I plug into it, record my audio, you know, and and go. But I feel like, why do I need to carry another three, four hundred dollar piece of equipment yeah. in there when I can just plug right into the camera? You know, one day we were just born too early. That's the problem, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sooner or later there'll be the ideal camera. Ideally, I want something between sort of the OMD line and uh, the GH line from Panasonic. You know, I need that screen that flips around to the front. I yes. need those those powerful video modes, but I want the Olympus in-body stabilization, the Olympus controls. Uh, yeah, so you know, somewhere in that hybrid system is my perfect camera I'm still waiting for. Would you would you please send a, a CV over to the Olympus R&D department and just go I, there and work for them for a year or two? <laughs> while I was in Japan, I spoke to the uh, deputy general manager of product design and marketing, and I brought these issues up with him, and he's, he nodded very politely and smiled and, you know, has the face of a man who has heard these things before. So mm-hmm. uh, my understanding is they are working on them, but it's baby steps. They're um, much more about the still photography. They're very, very focused on making the best still photographer camera they can possibly do. And, you know, the video is a few steps behind, but it is progressing. I mean, the video in the uh, uh, e, uh, OMD line is incredibly superior to the, the pen line. It's crisper and clearer and lots more detail, and uh, it's mostly down to the new image processors. So. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you gotten your hands on the, the Panasonic GH4 yet? No, no. They did have it at the stand at CP+, but I could not get near it. Just no. yeah, Like arm guards crash. around it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had uh, like maybe three hours at the show, and I just you know I couldn't waste it standing in line for two hours to get uh, a glimpse of the GH4. Right. Yeah, and that glimpse but, uh, would have revealed that it looks exactly like the GH3. Only the insides are insanely better, but the the external casing is pretty similar, right? Yeah, I think though the GH4 is going to be along the same lines as the uh, Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera. It's going mm-hmm. to be terrific, but probably overkill for something like what I do. Like I would love an excuse to own a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera. It is 
astoundingly powerful bit of gear for the price you pay for it. But I've got no purpose for it, you know. I don't yeah. make movies. I don't grade my stuff, you know, professionally. And it's just more. It would create more work for me than it would solve being completely awesome. <laughs> you don't. You don't see you switching your YouTube channel to 4K anytime soon. No, uh, it, I was maybe a year, year and a half behind uh, 1080p even. Like I deliberately held back on that because I didn't see a huge benefit to it. I mean, I, there's no way I can tell who's watching which resolutions on YouTube. I don't get those kind of statistics, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I can't imagine that 1080p versus 720p is that big of a difference when you're talking about uh, streaming video and you know, the stuff people are watching on YouTube. And these days, more and more people are watching uh, video on their phones, so it's even less important, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do do 1080p these days just because it's you know the standard. It's widely accepted. It's you know it's just there. So, yeah, maybe in three or four years I'll be defaulting to 4K, but not anytime soon. I mean, for the stuff I do, nobody sees, needs to see my big fat face in that much detail. <laughs> and all you, people want to see into your pores, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's the secret of my low-res cameras. I have terrible skin. There you go. A little Vaseline <laughs> on, the, on the lens, you're all good to go. Yeah, I don't have to start wearing makeup and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that I mean you you joke, but that's that was a real issue when the mm. world went from standard definition to to high definition. Because I remember like watching some movies that were shot specifically for standard definition. You see them in HD, and you're like, I wonder if she knew that line of makeup is <laughs> <laughs> because you wouldn't see it. It would it would you know the lack of resolution would blur it out. You know, but yeah. now we see all that stuff. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Especially the high definitions. If you want to run and gun and be like, you mm. know, get stuff on the go, then yeah, no, I can hear it. But yeah, there's no denying the world is going that direction, you know, to to 4K. Well, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll, I mean, we'll the, there's a, there's a bunch of cameras using that sort of uh, Sony's one inch sensor at the moment, the RX100 line, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, the the Nikon uh, one system, and it's somewhere else in the system too. But that chip that Sony's making at the moment is capable of 4K video. Um, actually, I think they've just put it in one of the new 4K handy cams. Um, but the image processors in these cameras that's, that have this chip in them aren't capable of processing 4K yet. So it's you know literally just around the corner when we see a you know a Nikon One system doing 4K and a Sony RX100 uh, follow-up doing 4K. So it's it's you know going to hit the hands of the average consumer quite soon, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So speaking of lenses, you mentioned you know that mm. you're you, you've got some really crazy nice Olympus lenses in your bag there. What what are your favorite lenses? And I'll, I'll tell you on the Olympus side, my favorite lens of all time is at 45 mil. You know, <laughs> I love that thing. It is just yeah. you know it's just juicy. What what about yeah. you? Uh, I I have the 45 and I love it, but my favorite I think is the 12. The 12 is crazy sharp. Uh, I use it a lot for my desktop stuff, like I mentioned before. But you know, out in the world, that uh, 24 mil equivalent sort of field of view that is just lovely to shoot with. Um, I've also got a uh, the Sigma Art Lens series, the 60 mil, which is fantastic. Um, it's it focuses a little bit closer than the 45. So when I'm doing the intimate landscape stuff, you know, the flowers and the insects and stuff, it can be yeah. sort of uh, quite lovely and close and throw the background way out of focus. It's lovely. Um, oh, what else do I use here? I've got uh, the the new kit lens for the EM10 is surprisingly a little pancake thing. It's, oh, look um, at that! Huh. It blew me away. I th I'm thinking it's a kit lens. It'll be you know a kit lens, but then I took out and tested it, and uh, it's remarkably impressive. So I, I've never ever used the kit lens on my EP3 except for the first you know week I had it. 
this is the same focal length and essentially the same optical engineering, I'm told, but it performs way better and it you know, compacts into little pancake things. So this may be the first kit lens that I actually use out in the real world, <laughs> I think. Wow. wow. Isn't it cool? I mean, only, like, I'll tell you, what was it? About a year and a half ago, I started my journey from mirrored to mirrorless, you know, and you, which I'm sure you've done too. And oh, yeah, I, I, I followed your journey through the podcast as Did well. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was it was a struggle, and I'm, I'll tell you, I've, I've recently made the decision, I haven't acted on it yet, but I've made the decision to kind of get rid of my DSLR stuff and not mm -hmm. even keep it around because, you know, it's it's sitting on the shelf in here and it's basically depreciating. <laughs> so yeah. uh, gathering I mean, dust, value goes down. Dust level goes up, value goes down. You know? yeah, and I've, I've got used... my Canon 60D sitting over there. I haven't taken it out in the world uh, with the exception to test a lens for yeah. a review. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't taken it out in the world by choice just for, you know, personal shooting reasons or to shoot an event or you know, anything at all for at least 18 months, I think. It's See, just big like it. and bulky, and it feels so giant by comparison to my Micro Four Thirds stuff, or when I'm out with my RX100, which is amazing, or uh, yeah, my um, Pentax Q7. I love this thing. Yeah. You know, it's um. A you know, little tiny thing. This, yeah, I, I love being able to carry a camera and you know three, four, five lenses in a little messenger bag satchel where I could fit maybe a DSLR and a, and a telephoto zoom lens, if I'm yeah. lucky, and then, you know, walk crookedly and, and, you know, have one shoulder higher than the other and limp around. Yeah, compress a few vertebrae in your spine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> come, come back home a few inches shorter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. In my bag, uh, I'll have to do an unboxing or un what's in your bag type video at some point, but in mm -hmm. there is a is my G7. There's, um, what, four or five lenses in there, like you said, um, no strobes. For some reason, I haven't had the need to carry strobes around with me, so no strobes in there. Yeah. But the GX7 has a pop-up on it if I need some sort of flash. Um, but the cool thing is, in that bag, I also have um, a full-size iPad or an iPad Air is in there, as well as soon, hopefully, um, will be a MacBook Air in there mm -hmm. and an audio kit. So a little bag that has that the Sony music video camera, two lav mics, extra batteries, all that stuff, so I could actually do, with just that bag, I could actually shoot an interview, you know, but, yeah. you know, as it stands, I use it for the audio capture, but in that one little shoulder bag, it's tiny, it's about this big, in that one bag is everything I could possibly yeah. need, aside from the yeah. tripod, which stays in the trunk anyway. <laughs> yeah. A complete production studio in a bag. It's, yes. It was, it was unthinkable half a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah, and and by virtue of it being so small, it means I'll actually take it, you know, because exactly. before I'm like, you know what, okay, what am I shooting? I got to go do this interview with this person, okay, what do I need? I got to get the mics, I got to get this, and the DSLR, which lens? Oh, that mm -hmm. lens, and but you know the dance, you know, so yeah. I'd go through all that and then still end up with something not as good as I, I had in my mind's eye. Now I come back, yeah. especially if I shoot an interview on Micro Four Thirds with that, mm -hmm. with the Olympus 45, oh, yeah. man, you know, it's like, which shoot that with? You know, you know just a little camera. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love getting that question in my videos when, you know, something, I'll shoot something out in the world and it looks particularly pretty and people go, oh, what camera do you shoot that with? Or what lens do you shoot that with? You know, which Canon DSLR did you shoot that with? Which full frame Canon DSLR did you shoot that with? No, no, that was my Micro Four Thirds with the, you know, a $400 lens. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's leave it off with that because we've, we've talked a lot about um, over the years, as you probably may have heard some of it, about Micro Four Thirds and the mm. virtues of it. And, you know, there's the argument, 
it, it, you know how photography goes, right? I oh, mean, yeah. before the argument was film versus digital, and then when mm-hmm. then it was JPEG versus RAW, and, you know, and overarching is Canon versus Nikon, and now it seems mm-hmm. like the transition is, you know, mirrorless versus mirrored. Not even Micro Four Thirds is mirrorless versus mirrored or full frame. You know, like the Sony A7 and A7R versus the smaller frame. Because if you want the ultimate quality, you need a full frame or else you, you might as well go home. Where do you fall on that? I mean, what's, what's your position on that whole argument of bigger is better, you need a larger sensor in order to get any kind of professional results? It depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it, I think. If you are, you know, shooting for, for billboards and print ads and stuff, yeah, you're going to want, you know, full frame or even, you know, bigger um, just to sort of get that level of quality control and and detail that's going to look good when you print it up on a 40-foot high thing. But for the average Joe uh, who's just sharing stuff online or maybe making small prints to to hang on the wall, you know, it it becomes less important. And for me, the portability takes precedence over, you know, any edge I would get in moving to full frame like the new Sony uh, full frame mirrorless ones because those cameras are lovely and tiny but the lenses are still huge and big. Yeah, you need to cover you that image circle, so you've got to have plenty of big, heavy glass. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Micro Four Thirds is a compromise, yes, but it's not a bigger compromise as it was, you know, three years ago. The image quality out of these is astoundingly good these days and certainly uh, more than enough for the kind of stuff I shoot, be it stills or video. Um, you know, I'm, I'm well above what I would need as a, as, a, as a baseline. So from here on in, if I'm upgrading, it's for extra features like you know microphone inputs or screens that swivel around. <laughs> you hit two of my hot buttons right there. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it, the same is true now as it always has been. The investment to make is in the glass. So you settle on a system, you know, where where you feel comfortable being, and then invest in good glass because then you can swap out camera bodies, and the glass is going to last and last and last. I mean, I've got uh, sixty-year-old Russian-made lenses over here that I still use that I've, I've, I've obtained over the while, and they're still astoundingly good. But you know, the camera bodies from that time, you'd never use them. Yeah, yeah, and with an adapter, you can pretty much put almost mm-hmm. anything on Micro Four Thirds, right? Yeah, that's it. that's one of my very favorite things about the Micro Four Third system: the the size of the sensor and the registration distance between the mount and the sensor means. Any lens out there, pretty much, you can get an adapter and it's going to work perfectly. I've got CCD TV, you know, little C mount lenses, got old uh, Leica mount glass, screw mount stuff, and you know, you can pop anything on there you like and just have a blast. Or you know, it's wonderfully encouraging to have that kind of flexibility sitting in a camera that will slide in your pocket. Yeah, that was a that was the one of the deciding factors for me. I'll tell you when I was going through that journey was the that moment when I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so you're telling me that all these all these Nikon lenses I have, I can still use them. You know, it's not like going from Nikon to Canon. You could buy a Nikon to Canon adapter, but still, mm-hmm. you know, this is like I I can use everything. I can use lin- native lenses from Panasonic, from Olympus, Nikon with an adapter, albeit no autofocus or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not. I don't have a, a drawer full of junk now. If I decide to go with yeah. a different system, which was, which was very huge. Yeah. Yeah, and now with the stuff like the 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 focal reducers, the Metabones, uh speed booster stuff, you know, you can get you know, even more out of those old lenses as well because you're not uh, wasting so much of the frame essentially. Yeah. 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 It's, it's it's a wonderful playground to be in in the system, uh, the Micro Four Thirds system. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's let's close this off. So you mentioned you, one of the things that you're going to be reviewing next is that Olympus OMD EM10. 
right, that you have over right. there that you're going to be dropping in the mail to me right after the <laughs> review. <laughs> Look at that thing. Wow. Uh, don't hold your breath for it to arrive in the mail there, uh, Frederick. <laughs> That might get chances. That's beautiful. If that's going to be your primary driver, you think after the review yeah. you're gonna you're gonna get one and use that thing? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no question of it. It is. You know, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for something to directly replace my EP3 because that's been a workhorse for me for two or three years or whenever it first came out. Um, and you know, if I had the budget, I would probably still go for the EM1 just because of the microphone input. Um, I like the handling a little bit better on that and more hardware buttons to control because um, obviously being the base model this has fewer uh, you know, hardware buttons to, to custom assign and stuff like that. Sure. But um, yeah, for bang for buck, this is probably one of the best cameras out there, that, well, going to be out there very soon. I think it's just about to hit shelves in America and it's a few weeks away from hitting shelves in Australia, I think. But yeah, it's, this is going to be very, very popular, I think. Very good. Um, and then, um, aside from that guy, what's what's next on your your list of cool things to review? Uh, well, I've, I've been looking at the new lenses, the the twenty five mil, the fast fifty equivalent, which um, I've tested a little bit while I was in Japan, and seems to be extraordinarily good. Uh, at least as good as the forty five. So I think you're going to really like it. Cool. Um, cool. Uh, oh, what other cameras have I got coming through? I don't know. It's I, I keep a list somewhere. So. Got that? What is it? The A six thousand? They just they just talked about. Ah, yep, that'll be it. I'll be I'll be talking to those guys. Sony are always pretty uh, generous to me when it comes to sort of getting stuff into my hand for testing. So cool. yeah, I think that will be the next one I'll be chasing up, and uh, probably the GH four as well. I need to get hands on with that. You know, I don't think it'll fit into my personal workflow, but I'm already being flooded with emails and messages. People say, "When are you going to review it? I need to yeah. know if this is any good." <laughs> I know, I know. Isn't that great, though? I mean, it's it's oh, great yeah. that we have such a vibrant and active industry, and manufacturers keep giving us cool things that are incrementally better than the last one, but still stuff is coming out, you know, aside from things mm. from Nikon or Canon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Canon, um, you know, the, the gear is very good, but they're not uh, not what you would call adventurous in the last yeah. few years. Right. Yeah, they're conservative is the is the word. So, I don't know. Maybe this maybe 2014 will be the year for Nikon and Canon to shake things up like Sony Sony did last year with the A7 yeah. and full frame, you know. Maybe it's time for them to fire their, you know, rocket across the bow of Sony and say, "Hey, we're still here." So, it has hopefully. to come soon. Well, they are going to start losing serious ground, I think. Yeah. Well, Continue to lose, <laughs> to lose serious crap. Well, but you that's know, a whole other show. have been hanging on and hanging on and hanging on, but you know, people are going to lose patience. Yeah, yeah, eventually, eventually. Well, Nate, uh, thank you for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure and honor to chat with you and pick your brain. And I want to formally invite you live on the show to come on this week in photo again as a co-host and join the panel of you know, our barrel of monkeys to talk about whatever happened <laughs> that week in photography. I'd love it if you'd, uh, if you'd come on sometime. I would absolutely love to do that. Yes, thank you, Frederick. And thank you for the invite to coming on the show uh, today. So uh, You're welcome. It's, you know, it's been a pleasure. Right? Likewise. There's no likewise. other word for it. It's an absolute pleasure. Likewise, likewise. It's always fun talking about photography. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's, what's not to love? We know? could sit here for hours. I think we're never run out of things to... To bat around. I know, I know, totally. And once again, listeners, if you're uh, if you're listening to this, not watching it, definitely check out Nate's channel. It's at uh, blunty.tv, and that'll and take you to all the stuff. Yep, that's your website, right? So that'll take you. Yeah, that's the website. So that'll have links to the YouTube channel, the the my Google Plus, where you can see the, the photos and stuff. Uh, 
Twitter even. You know, it's that's the hub. Got it. Got it. It's the it's your Rome. All roads lead to Blunty. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye bye.